This is KMTT. Today, on Mondays, we have a shir of Harav Binyamin Tavori, who this year will be examining different responses, Shalot Tuchuvot, from the major ones from the 18th and 19th century. Harav Tavori. We discussed the last few weeks Shalot Tuchuvot of Rebecca Vager and his son-in-law, the Chatam Sofer. We're going to go back a little bit in history. We're still referring to Chuvas of the 18th century or the beginning of the 19th, but we're going to go back to Poland in the 18th century and discuss the Chuvas of Rabbi Cheskel Landau, known as the Noda Behuda. Rabbi Cheskel Landau was born in 1713 and was Nifter in 1793. He was obviously uh, known as a great London, etc., uh, as will, will, will be told about all the Gedolim who uh, wrote Shuvas. But in his case, particularly, he was appointed a Dayan in the city of Brody when he was 21. When he was 30, he became the Rav of Yampol, and years later, he became the Rav of Prague. In 1752, when he was uh, just not yet 40, 40, he was one of the people that was consulted to discuss the controversy, at the great the great controversy at that time, between Rabbi Yonas Apeshitz and Rabbi Yaakov Emden. The Noda Behuda, Avichaz tried very much not to take a stand on one, on one side or the other. He, his purpose was to try to maintain the peace of the different factions, and therefore he wrote about Rabbi Yonas Neipshitz, how great a Gadol he was, what a great Hamad Chacham he was, obviously he was a great Tzaddik, etc., etc. Nevertheless, he recommended not using the Kameos that were endorsed or written by Rabbi Yonas Neipshitz. This, of course, did lead to some bad feelings on certain po- points. And in fact, when the Noda Behuda was a candidate to be the Rav of Prague, so some people opposed him because of his stance, which was really a very parva type of stance and the argument between Rabbi Yonas Nations and Yaakov Emden. But nevertheless, there were people who opposed his, posi- his assuming that position for that reason. They might have had ulterior motives as, as well. The Noda Behuda was known as a misnagid, and some of the chuvas, not that we'll see today, but refer to Hasidus in general, and he did was very critical of the Hasidic movement, but nevertheless, he was greatly approved of by the uh, Hasidic world. In fact, the Noda Behuda is quoted as saying that he was mamish a yachid hador, and Akadosh Baruch Hu helped him to reach the psak emes in all, in all his in all this psakim. So, Reb Yonas and Eibshitz, although being known as a misnagid, Reb Yaakov Landau, I'm sorry, Reb Landau, the Noda Behuda, although known as a misnagid, was nevertheless approved by the Hasidic world. In the beginning of the Haskalah movement, he also did seem to approve somewhat of, Has, of the Haskalah movement. He did approve of certain books that were written in the worlds of history, in the worlds of science. 
But later, when he saw the a different direction of uh, Haskalah that he was not in favor of, he came out very strongly against the uh, Maskilim of his time. In Prague, he was a great leader of the community, not just known as the God or the Rav of the town, but he was very much interested in communal um, cooperation. In fact, when there was a group of the soldiers that were drafted to the army, there's a very famous time that he spoke to the army, he spoke to the soldiers and gave encouraged them in their military uh, work in support of the local government. The Noda Behuda is known primarily, in my opinion, for the Svarim Noda Behuda, the Shailot Tshuvot, that are quoted, disseminated today, and obviously contain a source of information that is quoted by many Achronim afterwards. The original copy of Noda Behuda that I particularly own was a two-volume set of Noda Behuda, just the chuvas in a ksavyad, in a, in a uh, print of Rashi, that wasn't so easy to read, and there was nothing about it today. We have different editions of the Noda Behuda. There's an edition that's called the Mehudar, and there's an edition that's called the Mefuar, and there's another edition that's called Hashalem. I find it very interesting. There are different editions of the Noda Behuda. One's Mehudar, one's Mefuar, one's Hashalem. The Mechon uh, Yerushalayim put out an edition called Sheilot Chivat Noda Behuda Hashalem, in this volume, they have uh, the Chuvos together with many, many Ha'arot of Gdolim throughout the generations that have dealt with the Noda Behuda. He has a list of, uh, of Svarim that commented upon the Noda Behuda. It's a very helpful tool to use if a person really wants to study the Noda Behuda's Chuvos and see how they have been dealt with throughout the generations. Besides the Noda Behuda, the uh, Rav Cheskalanda wrote Svarim on certain Masechtas and Chas, which were printed. His son actually helped print them, called the Tzion the Nefesh Chaya, in the Yeshiva world it's known as, as the Tzlach. The Tzlach and Pesachim particularly is very well known. He also wrote comments on the Shulchan Aruch, which are printed in the st- our standard editions of the big Shulchan Aruch, that are called the Dogel Mervava. I dare say, if you quote the Dogel Mervava to people, they might, might t- not take it too seriously. Who's the Dogel Mervava? When you hear that's the Noda Behuda, if Cheskalando, I think they approach it in a different fashion. They're also drushes of the Noda Behuda, but as I said before, his main claim to fame today in the world of Lamdis is in the world of Chuvas, in the world of Psak, in the Noda Behuda. Today we will discuss a few of the Chuvas of the Noda Behuda, specifically from the world of Arachayim, and Yet Hashem will continue next week with Chuvas from other volumes as well. One of the interesting tshuvas that I found was at the very end of the uh, tshuvas, and what there are two uh, sections of the tshuvas of Arachayim. One is called Madura Kama, and one is called Madura Tinyana. So, in the end of the Madura Tinyana, he has a tshuva in Simon Kuf Mem that someone asked him, "How come when we wash in the morning, we wash our fa- we wash our hands? People wash their face." But we do not have a custom, and it's not mentioned in the Shulchan Aruch, that people should wash panav yadav araglav, their hands, their, their, feet, their feet, and their face. And now that is quoted in the Rambam. The Rambam in Paragdalit of Hilchas Tvil, Alocha Gimel, seems, says clearly that for Shachwis a person must wash his hands, face, and feet. 
Now, the questioner asked, why was this not written, why was this not quoted in the Shulchan Aruch? And it is true that the Ravid on the Rambam didn't understand, he said, why should we wash our hands? It should be enough to wash our face and our, wash our feet, it should be enough to wash our hands and our face. So the person who wrote the question suggested as follows. What's the reason that we really wash, the Rambam says we should wash our hands, our feet, and our face for davening? So he says there is a Beis Yosef, the Kotzerajba. All this, by the way, is from the person who asked the question. The Beis Yosef, Kotzerajba. Then the morning when we wash our hands, we wash it because overnight, when we went to sleep, we become, as it were, a new creature, a new creation, Birya Chadasha. And we should thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and we should become Kadosh, similarly to the fact of a Kohen, HaMekadosh Yodavaragla Bechiyar. A Kohen in the morning has to wash at the special vessel in the Beis HaMikdash, he washes his hands and his feet. According to that reason, if what we're doing in the morning is putting ourselves in the sim- similar situation to the Kohen in the morning, then obviously you should wash your hands, your face, and your feet, like the Kohanim did. However, if the, uh, we'll discuss the face again in a moment. The Ravid, according to the questioner, must have thought that the reason for washing your hands in the morning is not for the reason that we just quoted, but it's because of the rush. The rush has in Shuvis, that at night, when a person is sleeping, when a person gets dressed, he touches places that require Nitilas Yadayim. And it, even though he thinks he didn't, but it's almost automatic that a person will do such a thing. And therefore, you have to wash Nitilas Yadayim. If that's true, then you, all you should wash is Nitilas Yadayim. Now, if, it's interesting because the Rambam said a person should wash Panavya Devaraglav. The Raiva disagreed and said, why does he need Raglav? But he didn't argue about Rechitzas Panim. He didn't wash or talk about washing your face at all. It seems the Ravid agreed you should wash your face. So he said the explanation for washing your face is not because the same as the Kohen, but nevertheless, since a, a person is B'Tselem Elohim, and he's an image of God, his face is an image of God, so in the words of the, that are quoted here, we should wash his face in honor and in respect to those to the one who, the Almighty who created him, B'Tselem Elohim. All this is referring to what the questioner asked, but he said, inasmuch as there's a machlokas we shown him, and according to the Rambam, you should wash your, your, your feet, why is it not mentioned? The Noda Beauty answered, I disagree with you. And he said, even according to the Rajba, that the reason for washing your hands in the morning, for washing in general in the morning, is like Kohanim, but they didn't say we have to be exactly like Kohanim, it's a Zeicher to the Kohanim. The, the, even the Rajbah, if you'll see the Rajbah <coughs> directly inside, the Rajbah said, it's Kekohen Shemekadish Yadav Menakir. It's only like a Kohen who washes his hands. He didn't mention the feet at all. So, even though we do it as a Zechef a Kohenim, but you don't have to do it to wash your feet as well. And then he goes on to say that, in general, washing up even according to the Ravid, is out of respect 
for your maker respect for the Kaddish Baruch As if a person would be going before a king, before a high, uh, an important officer, he shouldn't feel dirty. And therefore, it's proper to wash. So another view that comes up with a very practical idea. This is true when we're referring to limbs, parts of the body, that are uncovered. For like your face, like your hands. But feet really depend upon custom of different communities. The Shulchan Aruch Paskin, that if in a place where people generally have their feet covered, a person should not go barefoot, or should not go without socks. So, in the time of the Gemara, in the, some Eastern countries, where they did not wear what we would probably call the, no, the Buddha calls them strength. I probably think they're like uh, socks. But he says if they oh, did, did wear shoes with straps, I assume he means something like sandals. So then, in, but when they didn't walk, but they didn't wear socks, so, and your feet would be seen, then there might be an idea of walking, of washing your your feet also, because your feet could become dirty and they're not proper, but in a part of the body that's covered, there's no need. So the Rambam really talked, told the halacha, in theory, in theory you should wash your feet too. Of course, he's referring to a situation, that's what the Nodabuda claims, where your feet were exposed. The Ravid says, I don't know why you have your feet, because in our time, we don't do it. We wear socks. So if that's true, why should you wash your, your, your legs, your feet, more than any other part of the body? So then the Nodabuda goes on to discuss the concept a little bit more, but he thinks that what he that what he's saying is absolutely true, and you should watch the only today we should wash your hands, even according to the Rajba or according to the Rush. Washing your face is lechvod kono, and washing your feet in a place where you'd wear socks is not necessary. Of course, this discussion would be have to be raised in countries like Israel, where people very often do not wear socks in the and therefore, you would really have to raise the issue again. If the, in in such a situation, would there be a concept of washing your feet? Now, it's interesting to note that this tshuva was a source of discussion. And I, as I said before, the addition of machon uh, machon uh, Yerushalayim helped me very much to see people who raised this issue, discuss this issue. They also discussed the fact that um, should it should you wash. For every tefillah, or for only for one tefillah, because let's remember that according to the Rambam, tefillah once a day is a biblical requirement. So the idea of kiddush yadayim v'raglayim, or that the Rambam calls kiddush yadayim, would only be for shachris, but not for a uh, perhaps minchamar, which is only drabanan. And as I said before, this engendered a discussion, as in fact almost every tshuva that Nodabu did did. And those people that are more interested can see the discussion in the in the various new editions of the of the of the uh, Nodabu A very short tshuva, which also I, I I personally came across, and because of uh, cases that came up was a question that was asked if a person in shul can make a bracha shachianu when he benches Hanukkah candles. Now, let's remember that that every avil benches Hanukkah candles at home and in shul. And the, the custom, of course, everybody benches it at home. One person benches it in shul. So, 
they quoted a, a, a Taz who said that that in Avel, in the community, when he davens Mariv, so he should not say Shechia. He should not bench the Hanukkah candles. Let somebody else make the brach on the candles and to say Shechianu. And he quotes, that's a tshuva of the Ramah. The Nodabiyudah says he didn't find any such tshuva in the, in the, in the Ramah, but he did find the discussion in the Maram Mints. And it was obvious to him that even the Maram Mints only meant that in public you shouldn't make a Shechianu. But privately, we never heard of such an Easter to make Shechianu biyachid, And therefore, he said, it's a very short tshuva. I see no problem with this, uh, with saying Shechianu. In this edition, you have an, uh, you have an, a, an addition by the son of the Nodabuda. The Nodabuda's family was a family of Rabbanim. So he said, there is a, isn't there a din in, in the Gemara? that an other can make Shechianu? In a very strange case, the Gemara tells how if a, if a father dies, who's wealthy? So the Gemara says, if he's very wealthy and many people share in the wealth, so the person who is the, going to be the recipient of the Yerusha, the son, should make two brachas. The bracha of Dayan Emes, but he also makes Hatov HaMetev. If there's no other brothers, he says Shechianu. So you see clearly that an Avel can make Shechianu. And there is no reason to think that an Avel can't make Shechianu. The only discussion would be, is it proper for him to say it in public out loud? But certainly an Avel can say Shechianu. In the Shulchan Aruch, and again, you'll find this in the uh, comments in the back of this Noda Biuda, they quote a, a Bir Hagra. They don't explain what what, it, what the Bir Hagra said, but... Uh, I can remind you from the Lord in the Shulchan Aruch. In the Shulchan Aruch it says it's a good idea not to say Shechianu in during the Bein HaMetzarim, during the three weeks. The Shulchan Aruch in Simen Tov Kof Nunalif Sif Yudzayin says that it's a good idea not to say Shechianu Bein HaMetzarim. The Gras says there, it's a Chumri Yaseira, the Gras says that he doesn't know why this is true, because there's no Easter for an Avel to say Shechianu, which, of course, is the Psak that we just saw here in the Noda Behuda. If a person has an opportunity to say Shechianu for whatever reason, it seems that it is proper to say Shechianu when he's an Avel, it's, it's proper to say Shechianu Ben Amitzarim. It's only in public that there might be such an issue. One of the Tshuvas of the, of the Noda Behuda that created a major stir, a major issue, was found in Madura Kama in Simon Yud Gimel. This, the in discussion became so volatile, such a serious topic, that the Noda Behuda referred to it again in the Madura Tinyan in three different shuvas. And the question was discussing shaving in Cholamoy. People who are used to shaving wanted to shave on Cholamoy. So at first, the Noda Buda said that he certainly said it's Aser. And the reason for that is because the, all the Poskim disagreed with Rabbeinu Tam. Rabbeinu Tam said that if a person shaved before Yom Tov, then he can shave again in Cholamoid. The Mishnah says that a person can shave in Cholamoid only under special circumstances. One of them is if he couldn't shave before Cholamoid. For whatever reason, he couldn't shave before Cholamoid, then he can shave on Cholamoid. Rabbeinu Tam said, you see, if a person therefore has a growth of beard that he's uncomfortable with, 
if if he shaved before Chalamoid and he didn't ignore the concept of getting prepared for Yom Tov, of walking into Yom Tov and, and then not uh, find a, a mode and not doesn't look well. So another Buddha said, as the, the Rabbinu Tam said, as long as he shaved before Chalamoid, then Chacham did not make a that said you shouldn't, you can't shave on Chalamoid. And therefore Rabbinu Tam agreed that you, said that you could shave on Chalamoid if a person shaved before Chalamoid. However, another Buddha says, all the Paschim disagreed with him. Look in the tour and Aleph. So it seems to be just to reject Rabbeinu Tam out of, out of hand. However, the other Buddha said, look, it's Rabbeinu Tam. I don't want to just ignore what he said. And since it's Rabbeinu Tam, we really should try to deal very seriously with with what he said. And obviously, it doesn't contradict Gemaris. Rabbeinu Tam wouldn't contradict Gemaris. So therefore, we should try to understand Rabbeinu Tam. And the Nota Buddha, with the whole discussion, which I won't go into all details, said that we should distinguish if the Easter is really an Easter Malacha, is it really Asa because of Malacha, that, which is Asa and Chalmaid, or is it really only Asa because of the Gezeira, that we want to make sure that a person shaves before Chalmaid. And then the bottom line of the Psak was, he said you can go to a barber, a barber who needs Parnasa, then you're allowed to go to him on Chalamoid. If you've shaved before Chalamoid, then you're allowed to go into uh, a, a barber. He's referring to a Jewish barber, by the way, who is indigent, needs the Parnasa, daily Parnasa. Then he says, we have a tremendous Amud uh, Barzel, we have a strong support in Rabbeinu Tam. If a person shaved in Chalamoid, even the most post-scheme disagree. Nevertheless, if you go to a poel, the Nodabuda was matir. And especially in the case where a person is important and goes to visit, he has dealings with with royalty, with important dukes, etc. So he says it's very difficult for him, and the people will sort of mock him. Then he said you can rely on this hatter. Now, in the Second edition in Madura Tinyana, so number of chuvas were written about, about this psak. Obviously, it created a great furor. People disagreed violently with him. <coughs> One of the pe- the people, some of them, apparently even wrote in vituperative terms uh, and really questioned the no, the no w the great, but. Some people asked him, why Why did you do this? Why did you rely on one opinion when there's so many opinions against it? The Buddha sort of pushed away that argument. He said, I don't stand. If the Rabbeinu Tam is right, what, what's, and I see it's right, what's wrong with disagreeing with other people? Even if it would be an Isa Daraisa, but especially this is an Easter Rabbanan, and, 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 and I don't understand. And he said, moreover, I didn't find any such a, I didn't find such a great hatter. I just said that according to Rabbeinu Tam, I answered the Rishonim and the Achonim would disagree with him. They understood what he said in one way, and I understood it differently. And I explained that Rabbeinu Tam was mat here in in a uh, situation where he goes to a poor barber. But the people wrote about the effect it has on their generation. Because they felt that many people will uh, take advantage of this hat or another etarium, and they felt that another Buddha would mislead the people. Another Buddha answered, I don't understand. I really think 
that I had grave deliberations about printing this tshuva. Uh, when I when I thought about there are many people who are makel in shaving in general, because unfortunately, says the Noda Buddha, in my generation, there are people who use a razor blade, and there are over five Yisuri Torah. So how should I talk about shaving the Cholamoy? And for, for a long time, I left this tshuva without printing it, but then I said, the opposite is true. I think that since the generation is not very lax, it would be better to explain it so Heter. And then he says, I'm not going to explain all my reasons, but I'll tell you why I think so. Because, you see, what would happen if the Jewish barbers closed down on Cholamoid? Because nobody will go. And if nobody will go, these people who want to go will go to a non-Jewish barber. Now, the non-Jewish barber doesn't know the difference between exactly what's Mutter, what's Aser, and there, they'll definitely be over Isra Daraisa. So, I think it would be better to be Matir to go to the Jewish barber. Then, at least, they won't be over in Isra Daraisa. <coughs> Another chuva was written, the next chuva was written to him, and the person said uh, that ha- he's not going to rely on it and he's not going to accept it. So the Noda Buddha says, I didn't ask you to accept it. I didn't I didn't write my sefer for Gdolim. I wrote my sefer for people who need to learn halach al-maisa, what I think. But a person who's a tamid chacham, I'm never going to tell him to accept what I said. And you asked me, I said before that I'm not going to print it for reasons that are hidden. How can I talk about printing a tshuva when the reasons are hidden? He says, no, the heter's not hidden. My reasons for printing the heter or not printing it, those are hidden reasons with me. But basically, the bottom line is, I think this psaac is acceptable, and therefore, I stand by what I said. Of course, in the, very shortly after, the Chassam Sofer wrote a tshuva that... Uh, disagreed with another view that said you can't shave. In our world, of course, this became a very famous uh, discussion and uh, almost no tshuva that discusses shaving can ignore this classic tshuva of Noda Behuda, both in Madura Kam and Madura Tunyana. Uh, for example, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein in his tshuva, Sarachayim, Chedek Aleph, where in his famous tshuva about uh, shaving in our, gen- in our times, Quotes the Noda Behuda and argues that even that that today he gives a, at least a heter, and he says that the the Noda Behuda discussed how important it is to shave if you shave before Yom Tov, and how important would it be to shave a few days later. So he said today this argument doesn't um, matter; it doesn't uh, cause a difference because people with a three growth day growth of beard are feel already feel uncomfortable, don't feel proper to walk in public. And he talks about whether the Isra is the rice or the Isra Traban, and he quotes the Noda Buddha. Therefore, Rabbi Moshe, at the end, says, I think today in our world we can be matir. If people shave every day, to shave for for a regular, regularly, and he thinks that even the Noda Buddha would um, agree to this, because the Noda Buddha pointed out in the Tshuva that not everybody shaved every day. It's only a few special individuals that did it. Therefore, his tshuva was written at that time. The Reb Moshe claims that no, the Buddha probably would agree in his time as well. The last tshuva that I'm going to discuss today 
is a tshuva that seems very uh, short and to the point, but it also has engendered a great uh, amount of discussion. The question was asked, when does a child become bar mitzvah? There is a, uh, obviously we know, that a child is bar mitzvah at the age of 13. But what we're used to saying is that a bar mitzvah is bar mitzvah, is bar mitzvah at now, what does that v'yom echad mean? So, there are people who thought, and I, I, I don't know why, but I think there's a popular misconception, that there are people who think the child should be the day after his 13th birthday. Let's say he's, he was born on Bez Elul, so then his the night of Gimel Elul, Mariv, that's when he becomes by mitzvah. This is not the general psak. I, I don't know why, but I think many people think so. We paskin means the night of your birthday. So if you were born Beis Elul, the night of Beis Elul, you are by mitzvah. Now, the question of the no David was this, can you count a, 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 a child of 13 years old in the middle of the day? So the no David said, I don't understand what your problem is. We paskin the evening of the 13th, of your 13th birthday, is you, the time that you become by mitzvah, and you're called that shlosha sheishem mechad, and you can daven for the for the teva. We you can daven for the amud. We learned the tshuva rebbe Beger that this would apply only to dinim drabanan, not to dinim daraisa, which is not our issue right now. But nevertheless, for dinim drabanan, the nodebi says it's obvious that you can do it. You can count him for a minion from the time he's the night of his thirteenth birthday. But the person who wrote the question to him uh, said to him that it seems from the Rambam that you need a full day. It's not sufficient the night of his birthday. You need Yom Shalem. Now, when you say Yom Shalem, it could have meant, I don't know why, but the day after his birthday. Or it could mean you need what they call Me'es Le'es. Let's say if you were born 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you were your bar mitzvah is actually going to be 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So, and the the person who wrote the question to Nodabu, they said that it seems to be, that's the opinion of the Rambam. Nodabu says, I don't know where you got such a Rambam from. And then it's true that he called, he quoted Alechem Chamudot, which is a Pegush in the Russian, Nida, who says that, that this might be the Pshat in the Rambam. But the Nodabu, the Nechem Chamudot, afterwards said, no, I don't think that's really the Pshat in the Rambam. And therefore, everybody would agree that you're by mitzvah the night of the evening. He then quoted Rashi and discussed it. Rashi said it. The bottom line is, he said, this is the minig, this is the way we paskin. You're by mitzvah on your 13th birthday, and you need not wait another day. You do not need to wait either meis I once heard Rav Avad Yosef discuss this point, and someone asked him if you need meis and his answer was, yes, tshuva shalalechem chamudot. The lechem chamudot says that you do have to wait meis leis, but he says, achonim dachot habishto yadayim. That's a quote that I heard from Rav Avadia, that achronim rejected this opinion out of hand. Interestingly enough, the opinion is found in the shiltos of Parshas Bechukosai. The Shiltos was already a gone. We're not talking about Rishonim, we're not talking about commentaries on Rishonim. We're talking about... <coughs> Rav, 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 Rav,
the author of the Shiltos, who says in Pasha Pachukasa that you really do need Mehes Leis. The Nitziv said, on his commentary on the Shiltos, if Achronim had known this opinion of the of the Shiltos, they would not have rejected out of hand. It would have been people were Choshesh. And I saw in one of Rav Moshe Steinbuch's Svarim that he really discussed an idea of being Machmir for this Shita. And therefore he, he raised even a possibility as follows. If a child was born, let's say 2 o'clock in the morning, so he davened Marv and went to sleep. So he said there were people who would wake up their son at, thir- at 2 o'clock or 2.15, 2.30, the same time to say Kriyashma again. Because the Kriyashma he said early might have been said when he was a katan, and now he's a gadol, because it's, if you pass the mace lace. Although certain achronim, as Moshe Steinberg really discusses this as a serious option, I don't think this is the accepted custom. We obviously found the psak of the Noda Behuda that a child is by mitzvah the night of his 13th birthday.